If you've got your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to Acts 27? We're not going to read all the story, but we're going to read a fair bit of it. And we'll see where we go. <laughs> Acts 27, we're going to start at verse 9. Where am I? Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the leading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believe the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And we'll go down to verse 13. And we'll read the verse 26. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence they sailed close by Crete. But not long after there arose against it a temptuous wind called Eurocliden. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island which is called Claudia, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship, and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that seal with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. And on down to verse 42 to 44. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they all escaped safe to land. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. This morning, Lord, we thank you that your word is sharp and it's powerful and, Lord, it's even sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. And, Lord, I pray for this word that you have given me this morning, Lord. And, Lord, I pray for the hearers of this word, Lord. I pray that we all would apply it to our hearts and to our lives, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're still speaking in this day, Lord. We pray that you would give us ears to hear 
You would give us eyes to see, Lord. You'd give us a heart that's open to the moving of your Holy Spirit in these days, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's a street on the Newton Ards Road over in East Belfast there. And there's a painting on the wall. I don't remember what the name of the street is. But there's a painting, a mural on the wall. And it's a painting of a loyalist paramilitary. And he's dressed all in black in his uniform or whatever you want to call it. And he's got a gun in one hand. And he's got a hand grenade in the other. And he's poised and he's ready for action. And underneath it it says this, prepared for peace, but ready for war. And friends, if you will excuse the crude analogy this morning, the title of my message is this, a people prepared and ready for the coming storm. You do realise there's a storm coming, don't you? Surely you've heard and read about this warning of this coming storm. It's been advertised in every type of media outlet and other sources for the last weeks and months and years. It has been sounded out probably across every town and city and country right across the world. Timothy's been warning about this storm for over a year now. And, and men of God, men that we respect, have been forewarning about what is ahead. Friends, a storm, a storm is coming. It's already made land in various parts of the world and caused severe trouble and hardship and heartache. But friends, I believe, that's my, only, my own personal belief, but I believe that it's about to make land in our part of the world very, very soon. At the minute, we can hear the rumblings of it. And some have even experienced a touch of the magnitude and force that it's going to bring. Some have tried to dismiss it and said it'll blow itself out, just like the centurion, just like the owner of the ship on our reading. But friends, I'm not so sure about that. This storm, this storm has been gathering for a long, long time. The course has already been set and I, I don't think it's going to be easily shifted or even if it can be. You know, the storm in our reading this morning was called Eurocliden. In the Greek, it's called a, a typhonic wind. It seems to have been a rare type of storm, an unusual type of storm. In an ordinary storm, maybe some of the sailors here or whatever would know all about this, but in an ordinary storm, usually the wind blows in one direction, but this Eurocliding storm, the, the wind blows from every direction. It's like a whirlwind blowing friend from every direction, which is very violent, and it causes major damage. It can last for days and even weeks. It's called the chief plague. The chief plague of sailors, breaking their sails and, and eventually destroying their vessels. Friends, the storm that I'm talking about 
will devastate most of the world, if not all of it. It's a facts could have lasting changes or eternal changes for all of mankind. The origin of this storm is, has not come from the atmospheres away out over the oceans, because that's where a storm is generated, over the, the seas, over the oceans. But they say this storm, this storm has come from the depths and darkness of earth. But you know, friends, the strange thing, the strange thing about this storm is that it's targeting only a certain type of people. That's unusual. That's unusual. But then it's going to be an unusual type of storm. For you see, friend, this storm is not going to be a storm of the elements of the wind, of the rain, of the snow and of fire, no. But this storm is going to be a spiritual storm. It's going to be a spiritual storm. Good against evil, truth against lies, righteousness against wickedness, the real against the fake. It's going to be a storm that's going to come against the true born-again, blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled, blood-washed man or woman of God. You know, friends, hear me this morning. There's a rising tide of evil and wickedness coming against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today. Would you not agree with me? You know, I don't know whether this is prophetical or not. I don't know. But it's gathering momentum. It's gathering momentum. It's on the move. And it's only got one thing in its sights. And that's the church or the remnant of the Lord Jesus Christ. The storm in our reading had only one thing in its sights. And that was, that was Paul the Apostle. But this storm, but this storm we are facing. Well friends, we all know where it's coming from. It's coming from the devil himself. He knows his time is short. He knows the Lord is about to return. He knows the scriptures. He knows the times and the seasons. That's why he's given it one last throw of the days to try and to destroy as many believers as he possibly can. He's not worried about the non-believer. Hear me this morning, friend. He's not worried about the non-believer. He's not worried about the unsaved. He's got them in his back pocket. He's got them held captive. They're in bondage. They're in bondage to him. And friend, if you're in this room this morning, or if you're watching online this morning, and you're not saved, then friend, can I tell you, you're in bondage to the devil. You're in bondage to the devil. You're being held captive. You're a part of a kingdom whose ruler is Satan himself. Friends, I know that's hard words. I know that's hard words. But they're real words. They're real words. But you know something? There's an answer. There's an answer. There's an answer. There's a way out. There's a way for you to be set free from his grip right now. Right now. And all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, save me. Save me, Lord. Repent of your sins and ask him into your heart and into your life. See, the moment you do that, then you'll be free from the devil's strongholds. That's truth. That's experience talking. Once you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be free. You'll be free from his strongholds. But to the believer this morning, 
That devil is working up a storm. And the storm is all about trying to destroy your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He tried to destroy Paul, but Paul believed God. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he walketh about, walketh about, seeking whom he may destroy. You know, friends, that storm is going to come in very many different guises, in very many directions, different directions. That devil is going to work through everybody and anybody to try and steal your faith. He's going to work through everything and anything to try and pull you away from your faith in God. He'll work through your family. He'll try to get in through your friends. He'll try to get in through your neighbours and those who you work with. He'll even try to get in through those who you fellowship with, those who we break bread with. Friends, hear me, that's his joy and delight. That's his joy and delight. To cause a storm in the church, he wants to wreck that church. He wants to bring division to that church. He wants to, 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 to tear that, that church in pieces. Just like our ship in our reading. Friends, that devil, that devil is a plague to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows no bounds nor limits. He'll stop at absolutely not, nothing to try and destroy the church to try and destroy the believer. He'll bring about situations and circumstances that totally look impossible to this human mind so that our hearts get weary and well-doing. Do you ever get weary and well-doing? That's what he's trying to do. Friends, hear me this morning. I'm not elevating the devil, but I'm making you aware of his plans and of his tactics against the believer, against you, against me. As we see that day approaching, then, friends, things are going to ramp up more and more. As I said, there's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. Paul perceived it. Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. Can you see it, friend? Can you perceive it? Can you perceive the storm that is coming? And as I've said, that storm is going to be leveled against the true born-again man or woman of Christ. You know, I don't know whether any of you have noticed or not, or not, but I'm sure most of you have. But you know, there's a growing hatred in the world today of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as it was in Paul's day, the Christians were hated. They were driven out of their homes, driven out of their villages, out of their towns, even their very countries. They were persecuted unto death. But you know, the religious were left alone. And the same goes for our day. Those nominal churches, those nominal Christians, those who are just religious, who just go to church the odd time, throw a few quid into the, into the offering basket and think that they've got, done God a good turn. Friends, the world and the devil aren't worried about them. But friends, those of us who love the Lord Jesus Christ, desire his ways and are obedient to his word, then surely you've noticed an ever-growing hatred towards us. 
You know, I read an article the other day. And it says that of 2019, Christians are the most persecuted people in all of the world. And if you don't mind, I want to give you a few facts and figures. And, and this is from the, the CEO of, of Open Doors Ministry. And it says in 2019, more than 9,000 churches and Christian buildings were attacked in 51 countries. 5,500 of those attacks took place in China. This number represents more than a 1,000% increase from 2018. In 2019, 2,983 Christians were killed for their faith. 8,537 Christians were raped or sexually harassed for their faith. 1,052 Christians were abducted for faith-related reasons. 3,711 Christians were unjustly arrested or imprisoned. And 3,315 Christian homes were attacked, burnt or destroyed in 2019. You know, friends, every day, every day, somewhere in this world, eight Christians are killed for their faith. 23 Christians are raped are sexually harassed, 25 churches are targeted and attacked, and 10 Christians are unjustly arrested or imprisoned for their faith. Friends, that's every day. Every single day. You know, one of the biggest, <coughs> excuse me, you know, one of the biggest threats is against our young, this generation. You know, I believe there's a spirit of herd sweeping across the nations aimed are taking out the young and the innocent. You know, a study was completed by the American Worldview Inventory 2021, this year, 2021, and this is what it found. It said between 1927 and 1984, nearly half of Americans accepted Jesus Christ as Saviour, believed in a, in a real Jesus, believed in heaven, believed in hell, and believed that Jesus was the only way. From 1984 until now, 2021, the generation in which we live in, it says 43% stated that they don't care and don't believe God exists. They embrace horoscopes and karma as a guide to life. Those under the age of 55 are more likely to distrust the Bible. Researchers warned that the beliefs and behaviours of the young generation coming up threatened to reshape the nation's parameters beyond recognition. In fact, they are in some way trying to create a world. Hear this, friends. They are in some way trying to create a world without God, without the Bible, and without church as well, friends. That's big stuff. Folks, this is our generation. This is our sons and our daughters coming behind. There's a hatred. There's a hatred growing. Can you not feel it? Can you not sense it? Can you not sense it even in your workplace? Can you not sense it when you're out in the streets? Friends, it's very real and it's very palpable. You know, Paul experienced this on his missionary journeys. That's why he was on the ship. He was going to Rome to be tried before Caesar for his faith. For his faith. Friends, the hatred then is as real today. 
I don't think I'm exaggerating this. Do you? We see it and hear it in every area and strata of society today. Sure, it's on our media day in and day out. I mean, I mean, we have news reporters. I don't know why anybody heard this, but I did. We have news reporters mocking one of the leaders of our country because what? Because he believes in the young earth. Because he, because he speaks out against abortion. Because he speaks out against the hom- homosexuality. We've got the government trying to bring in laws to try and control us. Us. You and me. The Christians. As to what we can say and what we can't say. And even in what we pray and what we preach. Friends, that's us. We've got the police arresting an elderly I don't know why any of you saw this. Arresting an elderly man. For what? For what? Preaching on the streets. Reading the Bible. What was he reading? He was reading from Genesis. He was reading out of the book of Genesis about God making man and woman in his own image. And what? Somebody got offended at it. Some got the peelers, got the police. The police came. Did you see it? Pulled them off the pulled them off the step ladders. Elderly man pulled them off the step ladders. Put his hands behind his back. I've been arrested. I know what it's like. Put the handcuffs on and trailed them down in the police car and away into the station and questioned them for hours. That's now. Friends, that's now. You know, I heard. I heard about a school. This was just last week. I heard about a school who had been taking Bibles for the last 20, 30 years and handing them out to the children at the end of term. But this year, this year they refused. Why? Because they don't want to start a controversy. The Word of God. The Word of God refused them because they don't want to start a controversy. Friends, hear me. The storm clouds are gathering. The storm clouds are gathering. The hatred is becoming more intense. The pressure for the people of God is on for the people of God. And that pressure will intensify as we see that day approaching. My friends, I'm not bringing you a doom and gloom message this morning. Believe me, I'm not. I'm going somewhere with this. But there are very real circumstances and very real facts. Folks, we have not passed this way before. Have we? We have not passed this way before. To the older generation here this morning, when you and I look back over the last 20, 30, 40 years, we have witnessed things unimaginable. By our, by our forefathers, our grandparents, things that you thought you would never see on our streets, things that you thought you would never see on our TV screens, things that you thought the government would never do or bring in. Friends, there's a storm brewing. There's a storm brewing and it's heading our way. Paul knew, Paul knew that there was a storm coming and what did he do? What did he do? He went and he sought the face of God. He went and he prepared himself for what he was going to face. And friends, here's the crux of it this morning. Here's my point this morning. Here is where I'm going this morning. Are we ready? Are we, are we prepared? Are we alert? Because believe me, friends, that storm's going to blow. That storm's going to blow. That enemy's going to come. Knocking on your door. If you're washed in the blood and if you claim Jesus as Lord and Savior. Friends, that enemy's going to come. That wind is going to blow. But listen, friends. But listen. As we look over the portals of history. We read where time and time again the enemy came. And time after time he rose up against the people of God. But what happened? What happened? 
God was preparing men and women, women to rise up and to fight. Not a physical fight. Not a physical fight, but a spiritual fight. For you see, for every Pharaoh, there must be a Moses. For every Goliath, there must be a David. For every Nebuchadnezzar, there must be a Daniel. For every Jezebel, there must be an Elijah. For every Caesar, there must be a Paul. And friends, for every Herod, there must be a Christ. There must be a Christ. Friends, someone's got to stand. And having done all the stand, stand. Surely, friends, it's time for someone, for someone to rise up and to shake off whatever hell has placed on them and take this battle to the gate, friends. It's time. Friends, the storm is gathering. The hatred is rising. But are we ready and prepared to meet it? Are we ready as a people to take on those giants? Matthew 24, 43 and 44 says this, But know this, but know this, that if the good man of the house had known him what was, the thief would come. He would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, therefore be also ready, for at such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. You know, friends, the story is told. The story is told of the white Eisenhower, who was once the President of the United States. And one weekend... One weekend, he went to visit a family in Denver. His wife was from there. He went to the church that Sunday morning, and then after church, he set off on a special errand. He had been told about a young boy, a young boy by the name of Paul Hanley Jr., who was dying of cancer. So imagine the scene as President Eisenhower pulls up in his limousine and arrives unannounced on a Sunday afternoon at the modest little home of the Hanleys. When Paul Hanley Sr. answered the knock at the door, imagine his surprise at finding the president and Mrs. Eisenhower standing at the door. He had not shaved that morning, didn't comb his hair. He was wearing a pair of old faded jeans and a dirty old t-shirt. Eisenhower, pretending to ignore his appearance, said kindly, I heard that little Paul is sick. I, I stopped by to see him. Is it all right if I come in? I have a little something for him. The whole visit took only 20 minutes. But in that time, a large crowd had gathered outside the home. When Eisenhower was gone, the neighborhood was talking about how exciting it was to have the President of the United States drop by. Everyone that is except Paul Hanley Sr. All he could say was, think of it. Think of it. Think of it. The President of the United States. And here I am without my hair combed, unshaven, wearing a dirty old t-shirt and wearing a pair of old faded jeans. Friends, hear me this morning. If you don't think the President is coming, then you won't get ready. And if you don't think the Lord Jesus Christ is about, about to return, then you also won't get ready. Friends, we need to be ready. We need to be ready, not only for the Lord's return, but ready for a storm of hatred, a storm of abuse, and a storm of persecution that's coming our way. You know, you know the world may see this as a physical storm, but for us as believers, it's a spiritual storm. It's a spiritual storm. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Friends, I'm not talking about t-shirts and jeans. I'm not talking about a shirt and a tie. It makes no difference to me what you wear to church or how you come to church. That's not the point. But friends, I'm talking about our hearts. I'm talking about our minds. I'm talking about our attitudes. I'm talking about our actions. I'm talking about our characters. I'm talking about who we are as a people of God and what kind of people we ought to be. Because I tell you, see that world out there? See that world out there? They're going to look and see if we all really are the people of God that we sing and preach and pray about. When the storm comes... When the storm comes, they're going to look and see if we are any different from them. You know, friends, that storm came into my life three years ago. A lot of you know about it. Diagnosed with a mass cancerous tumour. That storm came into my life. Friends, I'll be honest with you, it knocked me for six. It knocked us for six, didn't it? Being told in a wee cubicle in A&E, Mr. Nixon, you have a mass cancerous tumour. Healthy all my life. Knock me for six. I'll tell you there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of tears. But I'll tell you we quickly regained it. And we started praying. Got Timothy down. Got the word out to the church. And you folk and other folk across the world started praying. There and that we at a A few hours later they took me up. Do a ward. Up in the Ulster Hospital. The new part of the hospital. Ward all to myself. Big window across. I don't know these new wards. Big windows. Don't want it. You can see in and everybody can see in and you can see out. There was 14, 15, 16 of us. I don't know how many of us there was. Trevor, Sandra, and that we and that we ward. And we started to pray. We started to pray. Timothy read the, read the scripture and I tell you, that we ward was not quiet. That we ward was not. All the nurses and doctors walking by and the patients walking by were looking in to see what was going on. They were seeing what was going on. Friends, I tell you, we're a peculiar people. We're a peculiar people. We're of a different nature. We're of a different world. We're part of a kingdom whose king is the Lord. We're children of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Friends, this kingdom is a supernatural kingdom. We have his blood, his blood flowing through our veins. And you know, as he was, as he was, as Christ was in this earth, so should we be. So should we be. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He opened the blinded eyes. He unstopped deaf ears. He, he healed the, the lame man. He, he, he set free the, 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 the devils and demons. He, he set the captives free. Friends, he'd all know all this and even more. And then he said this, greater things will you do. Greater things will I do. Greater things will you do than this. Friends, hear me this morning. Hear me this morning. We're not identified with the world, but we're identified with Christ. We're at, our identity is in Christ Paul was identified with him and look at the works that he done friends it's who we are it's what we are it's what makes us it's what defines us Paul was once defined as a persecutor of Christians here he is defined by the love for Jesus he has in his heart friends we're not defined by what the world thinks of us and says about us. The good news is Jesus dying on the cross defines you. You're not defined by what's around you, but you're defined by God's Spirit in you. You're not defined by your circumstances, but you're defined by His covenant. You're not defined by the storms of hell that you're going through, but you're defined by the heaven that you're going to. You're not defined by your failures, but you're defined by His forgiveness. You're not defined by the likes that you've got on Facebook. No, friends, but you're defined by the love of one. 
the love of one. For all the religious folk out there, you're not defined for what you do for God, but you're defined by what God has already done for you. You're defined by the cross. You're defined by the upper room, by an empty tomb, by his blood and by his word. You're defined by the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Friends, hear me this morning. You're defined by Galatians 2 and 20. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Friend, Christ lives in you. Hear me this morning. Christ lives in you. That's who you are. The devil's a liar. And you need to tell him that you're a liar, devil. You're a liar, devil. You are the child of God. You're the righteousness of God. You're the head and not the tail. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Friends, we are to be a people ready and prepared for the storms. But also ready and prepared for heaven. For heaven. And how do we prepare? How do we make ourselves ready? How do we prepare? Well, friends, it's very simple. It's very simple. Romans 13 and 14 tells, gives us the answer. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make that provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You know, friends, that's the answer to it all. That's the answer to a world that hates us. That's the answer to the storm that's coming. That's the answer to a lost and a dying world. That was the answer for Paul, the apostle. We're to put on Christ. We're to be transformed into his likeness. To put on the Lord Jesus means to take him as our pattern and as our guide. To imitate his example and to obey his precepts. To become like him in all respects. And what was he like? What was Christ like? He was meek. He was humble. He was temperate. He was chastened. He was pure. He was gentle. He was loving. He was kind. He was joyful. He was was faithful. Friends, when we put on Christ, then whatever storm comes our way, whatever arguments they want to have against us, or whatever, how much hatred they've got towards us, when we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and when we walk in his will and walk in his way, then everything that comes against us, it'll come to nothing. It'll, they'll not be able to resist the Christ that lives within us. Friends, when we put on Christ, we're the light of the world. We're a city set on a hill. We're a people of the word. We're the salt and we're the light. We are prophetic and not pathetic. We're apostles and prophets and evangelists. When we put on Christ, we're the children of the cross. We're disciples and witnesses and followers of Christ. We're the fruit of an empty tomb. We're the product of an upper room. We're the redeemed of the Lord. We're the sheep of his pasture. We're forgiven and fully favoured we are called and chosen we are warriors and worshippers and friends when we put on Christ we are the righteousness we are the righteousness of God so friends let the storm come let the storm come let the wind blow let the hatred rise to the mountaintops let them say whatever they want to say against us friends we just need to remember one thing one thing who we are in Christ do you hear me this morning Forget about the negative stuff, but who we are in Christ. We are a prepared people for a prepared place. Paul was prepared and 276 souls were saved in that ship. They made it safely to shore. And friends, who knows what the Lord can do when the people of God get themselves ready and prepared for the storm that's heading their way. I'll tell you, friends, I'll tell you. We'll see the impossible happen. We'll see miracles being done. We'll see the sick being raised from their sick beds. We'll see our families saved. We'll see a generation one and we'll see a nation turning back to God again. Ready. Ready and prepared. 
you know, as I come to a close, one last scripture. Isaiah 54 and 17 says this. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness. Their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Amen. Let's stand this morning.